Hello, and welcome to the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading and Brian McAvoy, where the focus is on consistency, because when you have the consistent part down, profits become easy. Hello, everybody. This is Brian McAvoy with a new episode of the Consistent Profits Podcast. I'm really excited today to be interviewing Tom Basso, a creator of EnjoyTheRide.World. Uh, Tom, thanks so much for being on the podcast today. Hey, Brian. It's good to be here. Yeah, glad to have you, man. Um, for those of you not already familiar with him, Tom is one of the highly successful traders interviewed in the famous book, The, Mark, the New Market Wizards by Jack Schwager. In that book, he was referred to as Mr. Serenity, and he's also he's also the subject of Michael Covell's book, The Trend Following Mindset, The Genius of Legendary Trader Tom Basso. Uh, Tom most recently published the book, The All-Weather Trader, and currently hosts the site, EnjoyTheRide.World, where he shares his thoughts on mental techniques and trading, health, golf, wine, and a variety of other personal life matters. Uh, while Tom has enjoyed a significant amount of success and fame in his life, he remains a pretty cool person and very down-to-earth. Tom, again, thanks for being here and taking the time for the interview. Oh, it's a blast. I love doing these. You know, after 50 years of trading, I don't have to prep for these. I kind of know the topic. True, true. Yeah, that's, you got to get a lot of time in. Well, now, the, one thing I, I noticed, uh, I, I mean, I've, I've paid attention to it over the years and, you know, people that I work with and who's in the trading space. Um, and I find that there are a lot of engineers. I'm, I'm an engineer as well. Um, and you started yours in chemical engineering and then you transitioned to trading. What I find interesting about it, especially for somebody like you, where you get, you get a little bit of a different path, uh, a lot of people that get into trading are introverts. Part of the appeal of it is just leave me alone and let me let me do my stuff. And the engineers are the same way. It's like, just let me geek out over in my corner by myself. Um, but you've been in the spotlight a lot. So how's it been for you being in the spotlight and like being a subject to you know the books and all that kind of stuff? In the early years, I would say I was a reluctant uh, person in the spotlight. I am definitely, I mean, when I was in high school, I was definitely an introvert. Uh, I, I was just absolutely shocked and, and unbelievably afraid of getting up in front of a 20-person class and giving a book report. I would be trembling. I would be so uh, nervous about it. And what ended up happening is when I switched into the money management business and especially at Trendstat, I was sort of the personality, if you will, or the, the guy that everybody wanted to talk to. So the guy that needed to represent the firm, the guy that wanted that the uh, big allocators would wanted to grill uh, in terms of uh, how do you do this and how do you manage risk and how do you position size and what's your technique and all this, these questions. And I'd be in front of you know, 10 person committees at Merrill Lynch or something hmm. and talking about a hundred million, um, you know, allocation. And I had to just improve my skills in front of a crowd and be a little bit more extroverted. I still, I think lean towards, you know, I can, I could get on the computer and stay there all day and not talk to anybody. It wouldn't bother me a bit. <laughs> uh, so I kind of lean towards the introvert side, but now I, I do solos at our um, our choral concerts sometimes uh, in front of 400 people uh, oh. singing, uh, you know, a solo. I, I've worked on it to where as my awareness increased and my self-confidence, self-esteem just kept getting higher and higher with dealing with trading, dealing with golf, dealing with singing, all sorts of other endeavors, cooking in front of 
you know, six people who have purchased a charity dinner at my house and I get to be the chef and I've got to explain every course and I've got to explain the wine and I'm putting on presentations and I'm putting myself on the spot because I'm cooking a beautiful meal for them, yeah. you know, maybe five, six courses. So it, it's an acquired skill, I think I would say. <laughs> Uh, in the spotlight, being in the spotlight has been interesting because it makes some things easier and it makes some things a little bit more difficult. Um, the uh, Obviously, the easy ones are if I put out a post that, uh, you know, that Lawrence Bensdorp over in Portugal and myself are going to team up and do a, a seminar, let's say, in May over in Vegas, uh, and we share the teaching duties, he does his expertise, I do mine. And, you know, well, we already have, we have 15 seats is all, and uh, eight of them are gone. So, I mean, and that that's what happens when everybody knows who you are. Yeah. On the negative side of it, I get a lot of direct messages on, you know, I read your book and in chapter eight, you said this and um, am I interpreting this correctly? And you know, so I get a lot of emails and direct messages, and I respond to all of them uh, from thousands over the years. And uh, you know, there are some of the negatives that come with fame, I guess. And the other thing that really sucks is uh, I just had another imposter on Facebook this morning. I get them about once a week now. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Well, and, and you know what? Uh, unfortunately, I have a feeling that kind of a trend is only going to continue. Um, one thing I've noticed uh, since the since COVID and the pandemic, so many businesses and so many people started pursuing life online. And now with AI, it's like only going to accelerate things. And so, yeah, it's yeah. The life online is going to be interesting over this this coming year. Now that AI is starting to get a little, you know, get their leg. The industry is getting its legs underneath itself a little bit. Uh, people are getting more clever with it and more knowledgeable. It's like, oh, yeah, this, that's going to be a pretty wild year. Yeah. Interesting on AI. I've done two tests, ChatGPT and uh, Grok uh, over on Twitter. And I just asked the question, who is Tom Basso? And they came back with an answer. And in both cases, there was mistakes in the answer. Uh, in the Grok's case, I actually corrected it and they logged it into their uh, whatever, their data uh, their brain. Uh, in the case of ChatGPT, I'm not sure how I do that, but um, it it had a couple errors on how it said. Like ChatGPT said, I was I am a hedge fund manager. I am no longer. I've been retired 20 years, so they kind of blew that one. Yeah. Um, little things like that. <laughs> so it all this AI. I mean, as an engineer, you've probably taken programming classes. Imagine that you're writing the program for AI. It's a human being creating this ability to go through just, you know, unbelievable amounts of information and retain it in these server farms. But you're still a human being and you're going to have your own biases on how you're going to write that code. You're going to, the AI is going to learn what it wants to learn. And because there's stuff out on the web that's incorrect, it's going to pick that up and think that that's correct. And so everybody should, I think, take their AI responses with just a little bit of salt because there could be errors in some of those things. So I think you got to double check after you get a response from AI. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Well, uh, <clears throat> I'm sure you probably take a note of it as well. Uh, one thing, and again, it's probably just going to explode this year, is just like bots did, if you, you know, several years ago. And the yeah, expert advisors, when they came on, on you know, online, and it, it blew up and anybody and everybody's got, you know, their super secret bot that's, you know, make turn your computer into an ATM noise. <clears throat> it's going to be the same thing this year with AI. Because uh, uh, I've already been seeing, you know, yeah, uh, AI-assisted trading, uh, you know, emails, getting campaigns, advertising campaigns, all that stuff. And uh, the, uh, well, the, and the other thing is really just the, the AI, AI uh, being actually incorporated <clears throat> in, in trading on an individual basis. Because the other thing I've been seeing is where they're saying you can have your own personal chat GPT and personal AIs. And it's like, Ooh, that's an interesting thought. What that's going to, what that's going to do. Cause yeah, of course with trading that there there's, you know, natural, okay. Yeah. That would, that would be cool there. But seeing how things in general, it's going to be life and life and, you know, a few years from now, it's going to be very different. Uh, I, was, I was listening to a guy the other day and he was talking about how AI is one of those things that's, it's like a general environment change factor, like the internet was, it, it's like, it doesn't take long and it affects everything. And mm -hmm. it's be the same way. So yeah, with the trading, we're a little bit interesting. Yeah, uh, as far as <laughs> the uh, well, what you need to look for though are the deep fakes of Tom Basso. When, when <laughs> yeah, you're well, seeing videos of you, and they aren't videos of you. <laughs> I uh, haven't seen those yet, but I've seen a whole lot of uh, let's see, Twitter accounts and Facebook accounts, and one on LinkedIn. Uh, so yeah, it's. Oh, wow. Kind of goes with the uh, turf of being well known, I guess. And uh, but you know, it's a it's a mixed bag, and I'm okay with it. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, once you're there, you kind of got to be, right? <laughs> it's I don't have much choice at this point. Yeah. Well, as far as uh, you know, the other part of the the fame and everything, I, I should imagine that you've also probably been able to have some cool experiences that came out of you know being a person of of, of note and and you know. Uh, being kind of a public figure, have, have you, you know, had some favorite experiences that have come out of your, 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 you know, your famous, your fame? I guess uh, one of the things I enjoy the most is doing what we're doing, just talking to other traders and like you and, and, and doing an interview and helping other traders. And I get some wonderful, heartwarming thank you notes from people all around the world. So I feel like I have, expanded the friendships that I have in so many different countries around the world. I can't tell you how many offers I have to, if you ever come to India, I would love to be your tour guide. Or I, you know, if you're, if you can get down to Australia, I'd like to have dinner with you and, and buy you dinner or something. So I've got a lot of new friends in a lot of interesting places. Uh, at the same time, I traveled all my life and I love being home, but <laughs> I, uh, at 6'3", which is my height, uh, you know, a couple hundred pounds, I, I don't fit into the average uh, coach seat. I go business class or I don't go. Right. Uh, my knees are up against the poor guy in front of me that can't put his seat down now because my knees are propping his chair up. Uh, so I try to stay home. We've got uh, kids in various places of the country. And, uh, you know, I do have to my wife, who was a realtor all her life, uh, loves to take a vacation here and there. So I get dragged along and I have a pretty good uh, on the road setup with portable uh, monitors and things that I can do 
to keep doing what I do. And uh, what she does is gives me about an hour a day to do my work and keep <laughs> trading. And then the rest of the day, I'm a tourist, just like she is. Right. And it works pretty well. And we've seen some wonderful places around the world. So it's uh, it's been nice. And uh, I'd, I'd say the most heartwarming thing is those beautiful thank you notes I get uh, that I probably wouldn't get if I was just obscure and out there. You know, uh, just one more account on Twitter that throws out suggestions of what 2024 is going to be like or whatever. Yeah. 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 Very cool. Yeah. And true. Well, um, when, you know, well, speaking of, you know, fame and everything, one thing I did want to ask you about was, you know, at what point uh, or, or how did it how did it uh, happen that you wound up getting involved with the turtle traders? How did well, that on turtle traders, I mean, I, the turtles were renowned trend followers. Mm -hmm. And I was never a turtle. turtle. Right. Um, and, you know, that was Richard Dennis's little experiment. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> they're all trend followers. I've known a lot of them. I still, I mean, there's guys like Jerry Parker that are still out there doing their thing. And I've had conversations with him. And uh, I knew several of the others. And Susan Show, a bunch of them. Uh, you know, we're friends. We all grew up in the industry together and we competed against each other. You know, they would be getting one account and I'd lose out and I'd get another account and they'd lose out. And, you know, we, we'd see each other in the waiting rooms going in to do our presentations and things. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we'd see each other at conferences, MAR conferences back in the old days, manage account reports, uh, had some neat conferences and you'd see people and over cocktails or something you'd mingle and talk to these guys. But I don't think Richard Dennis, uh, Richard Dennis has the philosophy or had the philosophy uh, when he was doing the turtles of trying to sort of push the envelope on risk, I believe. And I don't know what kind of position sizing algorithms there were in, in some of his work, but he blew up a couple times. One time very famously had to pay off his investors. So he kind of uh, ran a pretty fast race and I'm kind of not that personality. I'm the plotting engineer. Right. So I took my math and, and addressed uh, the situation of volatility more and trying to smooth the equity curve as much as I could, reduce the drawdowns as much as I could and increase the return to risk ratio. Mm -hmm. A lot of what Dennis talked about, I think, was to just flat out make a lot of money. And Guys like Bill Eckhart have made a lot of money and guys like Jerry Parker have made a lot of money. But if you look at their equity curve, it's far more than me uh, than, than I want to have on my equity curve in retirement. It's a little bit more of a, a, a fun ride uh, at times and a uh, jaw-dropping <laughs> ride at other times. And I'm not sure the average investor out there has the stomach or mentality or psychology to be able to deal with a lot of those swings. So I was always sort of uh, plotted along and I picked up business slowly, uh, never was a hot money manager, very rare for me to have a year more than maybe 20% returns. Uh, some of these guys would do 40 and 50 and 60 on a given year. So, but it was also at the same time, you know, we have a bad year, I'm down 6% or something, and they're down 20, 25. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's just a little different way of uh, cutting the cake. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, so. Well, yeah, as far as being a little bit more pragmatic and, yeah, being an engineer. So, yeah. Um, yeah, very cool. Now, um, 
kind of related to that as far as like just the general approach to the activity uh it, 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 like like we chatted about right before we got got the uh, recording started um i noticed that you're big into golf and um even have a book out called putting which i thought was really cool i, lo- I love golf metaphors for helping people understand certain things about trading um so one thing i wanted to ask you is just to get your take of what parallels do you see between being a golfer and being a trader Oh, there's lots, uh, as you said. Uh, One, the most obvious to me is that you will never shoot a perfect round of golf or become a perfect golfer. If you look at whoever's number one at at this today of uh, the PGA Tour or the world rankings, you will see a guy that misses shots. You will see a guy that does not win every tournament. Uh, He might struggle sometimes to win one tournament in the entire year after countless rounds of golf. So isn't that kind of like trading in that I could sit here and look at my screen with, I don't know, 65 positions I have on right now across 10 strategies, across about four time periods, and across about five different indicators that I use in those 10 strategies. And I can see green and I can see red. If they were all green, then that would be great. And I'd be closer to perfect. But unfortunately, there's, in fact, today, there's probably more red than there is green. Uh, And I think that's similar to golf in that you're managing your mistakes, you're you're, uh, managing your risk. uh, And that's very similar to what I see I have to do to be successful as a trader. Uh, there's lots of other, as you drill down into your trading and you look at specific little things that you do, isn't that sort of like drilling down on your putting and examining the length of your putter and based on your body shape and si- size and you, your arm coming down and being and putting that putter head under your eyes, there's a certain geometry you can bring into play that dictates the single dimension that would be the perfect putter size to fit your body shape if you're going to have your hands underneath you and not do some kind of a long putter, uh, broom putter, whatever they call it. Um, If you're doing a conventional putter, there's a specific answer to how your putter should be set up so that your eyes are right over the ball. That allows you to see the, the target line. Well, isn't there similar things in trading like drilling down to a certain indicator and putting your stop and moving your stops and getting those details down to where it fits your time period that you want, fits your psyche that you want, and getting it in place so that now when you go into the real game and you're actually taking a swing and trying to take a stroke on on that, you've got everything figured out and it you've worked on the minutiae and you've got it the way you need to have it. Doesn't mean you're going to make the putt or produce a profit on the trade. It means that you've given yourself the best opportunity to manage the risk and to exploit the opportunity. So I see, I do see a huge amount of analogies between golf and trading. It's a great sport. I'll never shoot a perfect score. I always can try to get better at it. And uh, trading's the same way. I'm still trying to get better at my trading. I've been doing it 50 years and I'm still learning. <laughs> True. True. Well, I got to ask. So, what? What kind of? What kind? What's your? What's your handicap? Uh, been as low as six. Uh, probably heavily between eight to ten for the last uh, five years. And currently, thanks to some injuries, 
and a remodeled house that I'm working on that keeps me off the course, I am probably about a 13 these days. Oh, still not bad. Not bad. That's, no, that's not bad. I, I'm uh, probably what that's probably puts you, I think if you're 10 handicap, you might be in the top, is it 10 or 5% of all golfers or something? There's, there's a lot of hacks out there. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, you're, you're shooting a respectable game. That's cool. Oh yeah. I can well, get around the course pretty well. Well, one thing that I like that you, that you brought up, um, I mean, I've, I've been really, my favorite analogies between golf and trading are how um, one thing that a lot of traders fail to do that really is an easy, easy thing from a lot of perspectives as far as improving your trading is just plain practicing. And I love bringing up the metaphor. It's like, well, if you wanted to be a competition golfer, you wouldn't only show up when it's tournament time. You'd be spending time. Right in the driving range and at the par threes working on your short game and on the putting green working on your putting and so yeah it's honing your skills building your confidence all that kind of stuff and traders need to do the same thing um yeah. and but what i know what, what i really appreciate about what you were talking about there that i've just recently uh been bringing more focus to is yeah as far as your equipment and making sure that yeah the, what you what the tools that you're working with are a good fit for you and you're you're well versed with them so yeah, yeah because it's both sides of it it's it's your skills and your well, there's lots of different trading platforms you could be on, lots of different brokers you could use. You got the markets ranging from FX to uh, futures, to options, to bonds, to stocks. Uh, you got different countries you could trade in. There's just so many different options out there. You have to be able to narrow it down to the 14 clubs in your bag that you're going to use and what kind of swings. Are you going to try to play a fade all the time? Or are you going to try to draw it a little bit? Uh, left to right, right to left. You know, how are you going to how are you going to get around the course? How are you going to map it out? What's your plan? And can you play your plan? Can you stay on plan? You, you see these guys on Sunday getting the trophy and the big check and they say, well, what was the key to your success? And he said, well, I just kept kept on our strategy and we kept doing it over and over again. We didn't vary from it. Even when we had a couple problems along the way, we just got back to it. And, uh, you know, in the end, it worked. And that's kind of the way a good trader goes about it. You're going to take some losses, but uh, that's just one trade is, I like to think of it as one data point in your next 1,000 trade sample. Uh, and that's about the same mental importance I put on that one trade. It's just one more data point. Uh, and that's kind of like in golf. It's one more shot. Just because you have one shot that screws up, how many times have you seen the the winner on Sunday having a awful shot on Friday or something that you swear he's just shot himself out of the tournament? He's just taken a double bogey and you can't do that in this tournament. And then he rips off five straight birdies or something and or an eagle. And uh, I think that's the thing you have to try to keep in your mind is that you're really trying to get to this huge sample size. I use a thousand because it's so many trades that it's almost beyond imagination for a lot of traders. But when you do that, what ends up happening is that, that kind of your angst about any one trade and, oh my God, I'm going to lose on this one, or, oh my God, I'm making so much money. Maybe I should take some profits off the table early, even though it's not my strategy. I just feel like I want to, I want to get some profits on the, in the account and, lock in half of this position or something. And 
as soon as you start doing that and going off the rails on your strategy, then you're not running a strategy anymore. You're just kind of making it up as you go. And if you do that in golf, it's usually deadly. <laughs> it's not going to help you. And if you do it in trading, it's not very helpful either. So that's kind of the way I look at it. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's good that you express it that way, though, just because it gives people the mental mental uh, frame of reference. Yeah, let's look at a big sample set because it is. It, I mean, trading is a long game. It is, and so yeah, it's like you can't let you know one one trade or one day or even one week wreck you for a long period of time. It's like no, just get back to the game plan, and because we're in it for the long game. I, I also like using the metaphors of uh, uh, you know being a being a baseball team or a basketball team where they have like a hundred plus games in a season. It's like who cares if we got swept in Seattle over the weekend? Just get back to the game plan and rock on. We still got ninety seven more games to go. Yeah. So, yeah, just keep um, cranking it. Well, from a psychological standpoint, though, I find that extremely helpful just because it pulls you out of that tight focus that has you all bunged up. And it's like, lets you step back. And it's like, now you can relax a little bit and get back in more, you know, sensible thinking. <laughs> Hopefully. Yeah, I'm sitting and looking at a screen of 65 positions and 10 strategies. And I've got some strategies that are getting clocked today and other ones that are just smoking it. And some that are just kind of sort of break even. And it sort of immediately pulls me back to this big picture of why are the ones that are making the money, making the money? Why are the ones losing money, losing it? And why are the break even sort of break even? And it gets me a very, very removed psychologically from the details of, you know, some corn trade that I'm in right now or whatever, you know, some... That's that's just one of 60 tickers on my screen or something. So it's hard to get too excited about any one thing. And I think that that's very helpful psychologically in smoothing out the trader's balance and the, getting them into a place where you can think long term. You can especially it's good when you start thinking about developing a new strategy, you know, trying to figure out how to improve what you're doing. And you've got this historical drawdown in several places that happens every time the stock market goes down, you have a large drawdown that you have to suffer through because you maybe you're, you're timing stocks to the long side only. All right, then you start thinking, well, you know, I just read All Weather Trader that Tom said, and he talks about all these different strategies. I don't know if I can figure out how to do that. Well, what if you just took a moving average as simple as that and put it against something like a S&P futures and put that against your long stock portfolio, but you only do it to the downside. You never do it to the upside. So doesn't logically that mean that in every kind of major bear market, you're going to make money on your little hedging strategy. At the same time, you're probably going to struggle as you have done in the past with your long stock portfolio. And once you start stepping back from the trade by trade and thinking more strategically, I think it's, it, it, it's very calming influence. It's also a very uh, good for understanding of what you're trying to do. And when you actually put it in place, you'll understand why it was put in place. You will not be disappointed when a hedge goes on and then comes off and you take a small loss. When you're over here on your other side, your stock portfolio is killing it. So you, you start getting a little bit more of a sense of, all right, I understand. This is when I'm going to make money. This is when I'm going to lose. So when you're losing, 
you say, well, that, this is normal. I would expect to lose during this type of market period. You know, just keep on keeping on. It's not broken. Don't fix it. Uh, there's this psychological tendency to jump in and say, I've lost money. I've got to fix something. No, just because you lose money, it doesn't mean you're, you have to fix something. It may be just almost expected. And uh, I think that's the seasoning of, you know, 50 years of trading that I've had. And I don't know how many bear markets I've been through. Um, I probably should count them someday, but I've, I've totally lost track of how many bear markets I've lived through. And it just becomes another day at the funny farm here. I, I don't, I don't, you know, down day or anything like that doesn't even pierce my consciousness hardly. It's just what I do. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Well, that's also very cool and kind of shifting gears a little bit here. Uh, when, uh, you know, I, I noticed that, that, you know, your site now is enjoy the ride. And, and that's the message that you're putting out there, which I think is awesome. Um, so, uh, you know, considering your lifestyle now where, yeah, you know, you retired 20 years ago from the firm and you're just trading, you know, your one hour a day and stuff when you're traveling or whatever. Um, but the, uh, you know, you've got a nice life balance. And, mm -hmm. you know, one thing and, and just, you know, the, the whole, you know, enjoy the ride. It's, you know, enjoy the journey. And so, how, you know, what advice do you have for traders regarding, you know, the journey and maintaining balance and enjoying the ride? Well, and that's why I try to get into, if you look at a chart and it goes up and down and all over the place and you're trying to come up with a strategy to trade that vehicle or those vehicles like you know, 25 futures markets or something. Each one's going to have its own mapped out price movements. And depending on what kind of strategy you come up with, you're going to have different periods that you make money and lose money, but it's all part of getting sort of uh, some progress in your portfolio. And along the way, if you can enjoy the ride, you know it's going to be some days up, some days down. Just enjoy all of it. And uh enjoy watching your strategy do its thing. And when it's down, maybe, you know, if you're a, a dollar cost averager, uh, something simple is that, that's a strategy still, but if the market's down, you get to buy more. Okay, just enjoy doing that. Don't worry about, you know, the fact that you're losing money on some existing positions. Worry about that you've got to execute your strategy and buy more at a cheaper price. All sorts of different aspects to that, uh, you know, peel off trades that I do when I'm trying to manage my intra-trade risk. So the ongoing trade is going and the markets are getting very exciting. Maybe I'm in a Bitcoin future or something. We've got this ETF thing coming up in the next few days. Maybe it gets approved. Maybe Bitcoin's got excessive volatility. Well, I just enjoy the ride. I've already thought through and, and planned the strategy so that it deals with if it's way big up, I try to make money there. If it's big down, I try to make money there. I don't really care. I'm just going to try to enjoy the ride. And when I used that in a post, I don't know, even know how many years ago now, I think it was a, a Facebook post somewhere along the way. And I had a bunch of traders following me and I ended the post. It was a whipsaw trade. Uh, and I had actually made money that day, but I took a loss, a whipsaw loss on a hedge trade that I had put on. And I was keeping everybody informed. And I said, well, the bottom line is enjoy the ride. And uh, everybody, I got so many comments and likes and everything else. I thought, I don't know, 
everybody likes enjoy the ride. I guess I'll use that at the end of my post. So ever since then, uh, I put it at the end of my posts on Twitter, Twitter or Facebook or LinkedIn or wherever. And it's now been, if I run out of characters on Twitter, it becomes ETR, enjoy the ride. And I've had several instances where I've been out of the office playing golf or something, and somebody will ask, what is ETR? And somebody else, not me, will respond, enjoy the ride, dummy. <laughs> you know, like he says at every post. And uh, so it's become kind of, uh, and then I, and we decided, you know, my wife and I tried to come up with a way of helping traders in my retirement. And I was getting maybe six emails a day. And, you know, I probably answered thousands of emails now in my retirement, I would say. And that's not an exaggeration. It's probably that many. Mm -hmm. And uh, I said, you know, it's, it gets to be a problem when there's six or eight in one day. And I'm answering some of the same questions that I have already answered many times. And I'm saying the same things. I'm typing it. It's, you know, I'm a pretty fast typer, but still, you know, it's kind of wasted effort. How could I automate this? And we kicked it around. We were This was while we were lying out by a pool in Malaga, Spain. I'll never forget it. And we came up with a website idea and saying that way, if the website's there and if I offload my brain as much as possible to the website and with books and videos and things like that, then people can come to the website 24-7. They don't have to even send me an email because chances are, you know, there's a free, free, uh, frequently asked questions on trading that you can download from the store, get it for free and read my thoughts on all sorts of different topics that people have asked me over the time. So it just becomes easier in dealing with sort of the fame and uh, having a lot of people following me and having a lot of traders that, you know, they have legitimate questions on things that they just don't, haven't figured out how to deal with the situation. And I've, chances are, have already dealt with it. Yeah. So uh, just a way of me giving back and helping and, uh, and yet not getting sucked into this, you know, hours a day answering emails. So. Okay. Well, uh, which, what, which came first, the, the site or your all weather trader book? Cause the book was kind oh, of the site the purpose, right? Uh, the website. What ended up happening with the book is the website got me that much more followers and fame and it, brought the information to an easy place to find it. Mm -hmm. So I might get like several thousand visitors a month to the site now. Mm -hmm. And it's got all sorts of hedging. It's got books to read. It's got, you know, videos and webinars and free frequently asked questions and philosophy stuff on health and other things. And what ends up happening is, as more and more people have found the site, they continue to ask me questions about things. And I started realizing that in my own trading, I keep evolving and learning new things. And uh, actually what ended up happening that spurred the book was I became chairman of the uh, Standpoint Alternative Asset Fund, which is uh, ticker BLNDX, Blendex. And uh, with Eric Crittenton as the chief in investment officer. And I became the chairman because I raised a lot of the money that capitalized the company in the first place. So I'm on the board and I'm the chairman now. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I learned about it is Eric really is doing an all-weather strategy. And he actually called it that. And I thought, that's a great term because weather 
changes all the time, kind of like the markets. You know, the market's up, the market's down. It's a sunny day. It's snowing outside here in Payson, Arizona. Uh, you know, isn't if we're trying to do all weather, aren't we trying to make money in any kind of environment? That's a good thing. So I kind of looked at that and I looked at what I was doing. I said, what I'm doing is kind of all weather. I'm trading sector ETFs. I'm trading futures. I'm trading, you know, crypto futures. I'm doing some options things. Um, I'm attempting to make money in every kind of market environment. That's sort of all weather. How did I get here? And I started realizing that I get these questions in interviews and guys like you ask me, well, how'd you get started from engineering and all this and I thought, you know, that seems to be, if you take the point where I started trading as a paper boy at 12 years old, buying a Fidelity mutual fund, and you take my whole life in trading from there to the time I'm now 71 years old and retired for 20 years, I learned a lot of very interesting and impactful uh, lessons along the way. And then I built that into my trading using sort of my engineering philosophies and and sort of systematized it and got it to be able to be used. And I thought, well, that might be a compelling story for new traders just to start from a newbie. And I didn't know any more than any other new trader that started. You're not born with a knowledge of trading for sure. And I just kind of went through my sort of trading life. It's sort of a trading biography of Tom Basso. Huh. And a lot of people, thousands of people, I mean, I've had a lot of comments uh, positive on the book. It's changed the way they trade. They're adding this. They're talking about doing that. I mean, I, I get a lot of feedback from it and it's been very, very well received. So I feel very gratified that I took the time. It was probably an, a year and a half to write the darn thing, but that that's the most recent project that I've just finished up just this last year. The website, I think is about, five, six years old now, maybe wow. right in there. So, cool. wow. Um, well, see, now I have to get the book and check it out. You pick <laughs> It's a quick out. and easy read. I, uh, <laughs> if you ever look at my writing style, it's, uh, I try to use about an eighth grade grammar checker. I don't, uh, use a lot of huge multi-syllable word words and, uh, pretty easy to read through it and understand there's an audio version if you don't want to read it you can get on your treadmill and listen to it for an hour every time you get on the treadmill and you'll have the book done in a, a few sessions nice wow very cool well um one thing i gotta ask just because it's the consistent profits podcast so what do you see are probably the primary mistakes traders make uh regarding being able to get consistent profits out of their trading well, the, especially with new traders, which are the most likely to do that, I would say the biggest thing is being undercapitalized, over leveraged. Um, a close second might be not having any kind of strategy whatsoever. Uh, they sort of every trade, <laughs> they're reading Twitter and somebody is following whatever, NVIDIA, whatever it is, and positive on it. And so they think about, oh, maybe I could go in and buy an in-the-money call on NVIDIA and maybe I could make a bunch of money. <laughs> they have no idea what they're doing. There's no strategy there. You're just making it up as you go. Highly stressful, uh, <laughs> highly prone to wiping out your account if you don't watch it. Uh, just not the way to go. Uh, boring is better. And you have to realize that compounding and trading 
means a lot. If you can keep those drawdowns very small and then not have to come back out of those drawdowns by very much, and you can keep compounding your returns, it starts adding up after a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're trying to get rich in the next six months, I I, I can't help you. I, I don't know how you do that except to get very, very lucky and be extremely and dangerously leveraged. And there's those folks out there that want that. And, you know, they're, they're pulling down a few hundred thousand a year in their day job and they just want to take a flyer. All right. You know, and it, it, maybe they don't have time to go to the casino. So let's <laughs> go to Wall Street. And but that's not good trading. in in my mind, you, you're not going to reproduce that over a 50 year lifetime like I have had to do. Yeah. And 28 years of managing other people's monies, you'd probably be sued out of the business if you did that. So <laughs> you really have to think a little bit more about what's the long-term plan here and, and start, I think, being a little bit reasonable in your objectives and reasonable with what you're trying to achieve and reasonable about how much risk you can tolerate logically. Because a lot of people just can't even, I mean, my father was this guy that if it was down 5%, he'd be nervous. Uh, if you're going to be trading, you know, all the things that I trade and I'm only down 5%, I'm thinking, well, that's not so bad. Uh, when I start getting down around 20, I start hmm, noticing it a little bit more. Um, but five is like part of trading to me. And I think that, but some people really literally cannot take more than five, let's say. Mm -hmm. And so you got to know yourself as a trader. Trading brings out your personality and brings out, I think a lot about it. it it's very uh, interesting and in, in mirroring back to you, your personality and your your weaknesses. The markets have an insidious way of finding your weaknesses. <laughs> and, uh, I think uh, as you get used to dealing with the market and, and looking introspectively about you and how do you deal with this and deal with that and and you know, create something for the long run, I think you get a lot more solid in your capabilities to be a good trader. I just don't think uh, making it up on the fly off of some Twitter post makes a lot of sense. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. Yeah. Yeah. Good insights there. And well, and it just where you started off is yeah, starting off undercapitalized. Um, yeah. Huge mistake a lot of traders make. And then they're feeling a financial pressure and wonder why they can't keep, keep a handle on their emotions. It's like... Because you got financial pressures, it's going to mess with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, very good. Well, this has been cool. Yeah, I, and I, I got to have you back on the show because we got other stuff we got we could talk about. And oh yeah, well, you've been a blast I, to have on today. Again, thanks for taking time for this today. I could talk about this stuff for hours. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you got you got a cool, you got a lot of cool stuff to share. It, it it is it is fun having you on here. Um, and again, thanks for taking time. And for all our listeners, uh, I also applaud you for taking time out of your day to attend this and, you know, learn and grow and develop as a trader. Um, that's really the only way you're going to get better. Just practicing bad trading is not going to help you get better. You do need to take time to learn. So uh, kudos for you for being here. And if you like, you know, what, uh, what Tom has to share and everything, if he resonates with you, definitely swing by his site. It's, um, you know, enjoytheride.world. Pay attention to that. That's part of the URL. Um, 
and you can get his book and I do I highly recommend it. I got to go and get it and, and add it to my library of stuff that I'm working on. Um, I, I, it's fun. Well, and the other thing is I'm, I, I'm sure you're a reader, uh, Tom, and, and most everybody I know that's, you know, uh, on a continuous life growth path, they're, they're a reader, uh, whether it's electronic or audio or, or paper, but um, yeah, the all weather trader, uh, it sounds like an excellent book. I got to check it out now. So, um, uh, and, uh, and well, any last words of wisdom and we'll go ahead and wrap things up. Just to, um, quit, pre quit predicting, look at what the market's doing now in the now and react to that and enjoy the ride doing it. There you go. Yeah. Very good. Very cool. Well, again, thanks for, Tom, thanks for uh, doing this, taking time out of your day. Hope your, uh, hope your home project improves so you can get down in a little bit warmer weather for the winter months. So Yeah, I hope so too. I uh, would like it to be over yesterday. <laughs> well, looks like you got a nice, it's handy that you have a second place uh, to go ahead and hang out while your other project's going on. So, uh, All right. yeah, again, well, Tom, uh, thank you for doing this, everybody. Thanks right. for being here. And if you enjoyed it, you know, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and we'll see you on the next episode. Take care, everybody. Sure. Bye. Thank you for joining us today on the Consistent Profits Podcast, brought to you by Inside Out Trading. Make sure to swing by InsideOutTrading.com and pick up your free copy of Break the Cycle, 10 Things You Can Do to Stop Reinforcing the Past and Get Your Trading on the Right Track. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe on your favorite channel, and we'll see you on the next episode. Cheers.